friends and I will never ever forget April 27, 2023, when that afternoon I received a cell phone call from our Vicar General, uh, Father Workman, a friend of mine, but uh, the Vicar General, uh, one um, step below our bishop. And so he called and I said, uh, Father, am I in trouble? Um, no, I don't think so, but the bishop is wondering if you're available tomorrow after if I'm available <laughs> tomorrow afternoon. You make yourself available, of course, for the bishop. I will also never ever forget April 28th, uh, the feast of Saint Louis de Montfort, a great Marian, uh, a great Marian saint. Uh, and I did meet uh, with the bishop that afternoon on April 28th in his residence, uh, and he told me that I was going to become the pastor of St. Thomas of Beckett. You know, I was so, so surprised. There weren't supposed to be any uh, pastors this year. Certainly, I wasn't expecting to be a pastor, but I am truly humbled uh, to be your pastor. Very humbled. I, I am nervous. I'm an introvert. Uh, I think it's nervous, of course, for all of us, even the extroverts, uh, when uh, there is a change. So I am course a little nervous but I can tell you mostly uh, I am excited I'm very excited to be here I have uh, really been blessed uh, so many kind people I've only been here a couple days right uh, but already met a number of you uh, and there are a lot of kind souls in this place I look forward to meeting every one of you I look forward to getting to know every one of you because we as we will hear in the Eucharistic prayer we are family we're a family of faith. We are the church. We are St. Thomas and Becket Catholic Church, a community of faith. And I'll be perfectly honest, I know almost nothing about St. Thomas and Becket, our patron saint, other than, of course, what I had uh, seen in the movie, Becket. You know, we have Richard Burton, uh, Thomas and Becket. We have uh, Peter O'Toole, of course, King Henry II. I knew really very little. I've uh, read most of the book since, so I'm learning about our patron. You know, I knew even less, honestly, about our parish here in Ruston, Virginia. You know, but I've been pleased uh, of much of what I have learned since April 28th. My friends, we are a Eucharistic-centered parish. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, is in the center of this church, as we rightly ought to be. You know, we have a history of being uh, Eucharistic adoration uh, people. In fact, we have an adoration chapel right over there. Many of you have spent many hours, no doubt, in prayer, whether they're over there in our adoration chapel or here before our Eucharistic Lord. And you've been transformed. You know, my life forever changed the day I first discovered that Jesus Christ, God himself, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, was in the tavern. July 6, 1997. My life has never been the same. I know many of you have such dates in your life. You know, it is through faith, the gift of faith, faith in the Most Holy Eucharist that I personally discovered as St. Josephine Bakita said, I am definitely loved. I am definitely loved. And whatever happens to me, 
I am awaited by this love. The one who loves us awaited me right there. And for much of my life, I had no idea. My friends, he awaits all of us there. I discovered that I, uh, well, by preparing myself to receive him in the confessional, by spending time in his Eucharistic presence, in intimate conversation, by receiving my Lord in holy communion, I discovered that I am a beloved son of the Heavenly Father. I discovered that my core identity is Jesus Christ, and he was right there all along. He's helped me understand who he is, of course, but also he's helping me understand who I am. You too are beloved sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. Your core identity is Jesus Christ. If we want to uh, uh, discover who we really are, then we need to be in front of our core identity, Jesus Christ. If we want to truly be filled with peace and joy, if we want to be fulfilled as a human person, then we must receive our Eucharistic Lord in a state of grace, because he will transform us into his life. He gets transubstantiated right here. We get transformed right there. In these pews, when we come up and receive him, in his Eucharistic presence. My friends, let there be no doubt that the Heavenly Father is in charge. And I am so blessed with the readings, we are so blessed with the readings we have for this first Sunday at our parish. The Lord has given me very clear guidelines, given us all very clear guidelines, a, a sort of spiritual roadmap to eternal happiness. He's telling me He's telling all of us, right, that we can love no one more than we love the Lord. My mom's sitting in the front row. <laughs> okay. It's even a commandment, of course, to honor our parents. Of course, we honor and love our parents. My sister is sitting in the front row, one of them. And so uh, the Lord is not telling us not to love our family members. He's just telling us we must love him more. Of course, we should. Jesus is clearly telling us that our relationship with him is paramount. It's the most important relationship in our life. There is no more important relationship than our relationship with Jesus Christ. He must become our best friend. You know, best friends spend time together. In fact, they spend a lot of time together. Best friends uh, engage in really intimate conversations. Best friends get vulnerable with each other. These conversations with our best friend become our daily prayer life, don't they? This intimate conversation brings us to peace. We must the clear guidelines we're getting today, uh, well, we must waste time with the Lord. We must waste time here with Jesus. You know, and uh, I know we've all experienced this ourselves personally. Those that we hang out with the most, those we spend the most time with, those we uh, engage in intimate conversations with the most, we 
we end up being like each other. We have these uh, sort of similar mannerisms, these expressions that we use, right? Almost we don't even have to communicate in words anymore because we spend so much time together. This is what our relationship with Jesus ought to look like. And you know what? He's the unmoved mover. <laughs> He's not going to be the one changing. We are. We're going to become more like Jesus is clearly telling us that the vertical supersedes the horizontal. He's giving us very clear direction today. Love of God must come before our love of neighbor. Of course, he's not setting aside that. I can tell you, we'll talk much more about it in the future. But one of the people that has transformed my life is not just almost anyone, is a homeless kid from New Jersey. Name is Russell. So we must love our neighbor, but it has to come from our love of the Lord. There is a necessary hierarchy. Adam and Eve kind of discovered that, didn't they? They had perfect harmony before the fall, perfect harmony between them and the Lord. Their wills always perfectly united with His, and therefore they had perfect harmony with themselves. No worry, no anxiety perfect harmony within self, which meant they had perfect harmony with each other, in fact, with all of creation. Then, of course, we know the story, it's our story, right? Sin came, and disharmony became disharmony. Sin disturbed disharmony. Harmony is restored in the sacraments. Harmony is restored right here. On this altar, harmony is restored in and through the Eucharist. Harmony is restored in fonts like this one. Perhaps some of you even at that particular font, where the Lord does something greater than the creation of the world at nothing. He recreates us through grace. It's a restorative act. Of course, uh, restoration happens in uh, that confessional and confessionals throughout the world. And then this uh, restored harmony is nurtured each day, throughout each day, in intimate conversation we call prayer. And then it is shared, because it's the greatest gift, our faith. We share it with our neighbor in an increasingly darkened world. Let there be no doubt that the Heavenly Father is in charge. You know, on Friday, I was so uh, taken uh, by the reading, especially the gospel. We have this encounter of the leper and Jesus. The leper said to Jesus, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. Such a beautiful reality. His will must be paramount over my own will, if you wish. I have these desires. If they're not your plan for me, I'm okay with that. Your plan is always better than mine. And then he says something really extraordinary. He had leprosy. It's a death sentence. 2,000 years ago, this man was terminal. He was dying of leprosy. And he did not ask to be cured of the pity. Did not ask to uh, get this life sentence taken away. No, he said, make me clean. 
more than life itself, he desired to be restored in the temple. Because only clean people would enter the temple. Unclean people were forbidden from entering that holiest of holy places. We too, my friends, have been restored and made clean. This is what ought to draw us here to this holy of holy places in the Holy Mass and in our Lord's Eucharistic presence. Secondarily to wanting to be able to worship in the temple, he desired to come together in community. Lepers were forced to live outside of the city. They were forced to wear belts with bells on them announcing their presence. They had to wrongly uh, identify themselves with their disordered disease. Unclean, unclean. He simply wanted to be with the Lord, and he wanted to be with the other. He wanted to come together in community. And something beautiful happens. Our Lord says he stretched out his hand, and he touched him and said, I will do it. Be made clean. My friends, our Lord stretched out his hands on the cross, and this is how we too have been made clean. He gave everything to us on the cross. It was his part of the covenantal exchange of persons. Our whole life's mission is to give ourselves back to him. And it says he touched him. Don't you think the Lord could have cured him from a distance? He doesn't want any distance between us. He wanted to touch him. He wants to touch each of us. That's why he made it possible for us to receive him physically here in this Holy Mass, physically in the Most Holy Eucharist. Physically, he touches us in the sacrament of baptism, in a certain sense also through his priest in the sacrament of mercy, and on and on and on. He desires to touch us. Let there be no doubt that the Heavenly Father is in charge. On Saturday, you know, I was again uh, over, uh, overwhelmed by uh, the story of the centurion, who in his humility, a non-Jew, but a powerful man, came to the Lord in faith. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. His words are now memorialized in the Holy Mass. Again, a reminder that what we do here is the most important thing we will do all week. The Lord is calling us to worship. He's calling us to make him more important than anything else we are involved in. Let there be no doubt that the Heavenly Father is in charge. He's called each of us, my friends, to radical, radical conversion. Disciples, especially disciples of Jesus Christ, live differently. No one should be surprised that the people of St. Thomas of Becky Catholic Church in Reston are Catholic Christians. No one should be surprised. For we were all configured to Christ at our baptism. What a beautiful second reading from the uh, letter to the Romans. We were baptized into his death. We were buried with him. 
And when we, as Jesus says, lose our life for his sake, we will find it. We will discover who we are and we will become truly human because we will rise to new life and find peace and joy that we have not yet experienced. But first, my friends, we must all die. We must die to our own uh, our own will sometimes. We must die to our own desires. We must die. We must die. Today, Jesus says, whoever does not pick up our cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Jesus is telling us that disciples do not follow Jesus empty-handed. Jesus clearly tells us today that embracing the cross is a condition, a necessary condition of discipleship. Therefore, our hands and hearts must be stripped of all that is contrary to him so that we can be free to take up our cross and to follow after him. We take up our cross, my friends, most principally here in this heavy mass, where we unite our suffering with that of the Lord's. He suffered first. He suffered perfectly. We unite our cross, our suffering with his here. We take up our cross uh, goes well beyond what we would call a moral sense. You know, we have that expression, Catholics, we offer it up, right? We offer up our suffering. We offer up the inevitable, inevitable suffering, sorrows of life. But take up and follow after involves action, personal involvement. We're not passive. We're not simply resigned to the sufferings of this life. Not out there and not in here. We actively participate. This is not a passive action but an active one. We willingly participate in the cross-taking. We willingly participate in the following after. We willingly participate in the loving, knowing that as Erasmo Lieva Maricaca says, if I do not do this, no one will. And my place behind Jesus will forever remain vacant. And there is a reward, of course, to the cross-taking. There is a reward, of course, to the following after. There is certainly a reward in the loving. Of course, we don't pick up our cross and follow after. We don't do all these kind, uh, loving things simply to be rewarded. We certainly don't come here first to receive. We come here first to give of ourselves in worship. After all, obedience and love of God and our neighbor is its own reward. But thankfully, God is generous, generous beyond imagination, and his reward is often surprising. Incredible surprise of the grace that we receive, infinite grace where we receive in the Holy Eucharist. But the first reading also shows it more on the temporal world, doesn't it? This first reading, this woman of influence, she is the one who's suffering in this first reading. She had no son. Her life, uh, well, it wasn't looking so hot, right? They're both getting old, right? And uh, there was no safety net. Without a son uh, to make, uh, women just didn't make 
kind of money guys were making back in the day. Thankfully, that's changed. But her life, uh, her elderly life, uh, was not set up for uh, comfort, was it? Because she had no son. But instead of turning in on herself in sadness, instead of turning in and complaining about her lot in life, she turned out of herself, no doubt coming from her worship of the Lord, and she loved her neighbor. She was hospitable. Her kindness was rewarded with the son. My friends, we don't always get these kinds of rewards in extraordinary sorts of ways, but we know when we're looking, when we're paying attention, that the Lord is working in uh, beautiful ways, giving us little signs of his goodness, giving us signs of his generosity. This happened for me, and uh, uh, it was a beautiful uh, reminder to me on uh, Saturday. Friday, I left here pretty late at night, and uh, I'm living at uh, Christ the Redeemer, and I had not yet seen Father Jaffe, uh, who's hosting me over there while Father uh, Shard uh, uh, gets all packed up. But um, anyway, he had wanted to hang out for a bit, and I was kind of late, and uh, I get almost all the way there, and I realize I don't know how to, I know how to open the church, I don't know how to keep the doors open. I needed an Allen wrench, and I had no Allen wrench. But I knew that the Lord was calling me community with uh, my brother priest, so I Lord will have to take care of it tomorrow. Now I got here super early Saturday morning. I still don't have an Allen wrench. I'm searching uh, all the places I thought one might uh, be. Uh, I'm finding no Allen wrench. Instead of uh, spending more time, the Lord is calling me to my prayer spot, first row right over there. I knew that the Lord would somehow provide, if I had to, I'd prop the doors open, but I I needed to be with Jesus. My days do not go well when I do not begin them with him, when I do not encounter the God of love and mercy in intimate conversation. And in the midst of my prayer, I heard this almost angelic voice. Dottie, perhaps you know her from the office. She woke up at 4.30 in the morning realizing she had not given me the elements. She was so sad that she had not done this. Thankfully, she didn't come at 4.30. She would have found the church empty, I hope. Uh, but I did get here uh, about 6-something, and so she arrived at 6.30 to give me the outrage. This little angelic voice gave me such comfort. The Lord always provides. The Heavenly Father is in charge. My friends, I am so grateful to be here with you. And I'm humbly confident that the Lord is going to do great things in and through you and our parish. He already has. And when I arrived here on Thursday, I made total consecration. I consecrated myself to Jesus Christ through his mother. I consecrated myself to Jesus Christ through Mary, because St. Louis de Montfort says, that the, and I have a special relationship with him now, don't I, April 28th, he says that the total consecration to Jesus through Mary is the surest, easiest, shortest, and the most perfect means of becoming a saint. I consecrated myself because I want to be a saint. But I also, in my new pastor powers, I consecrated our entire parish to Jesus through Mary. Because I also want you to be saints. We can do the consecration again as a community. 
My friends, let there be no doubt that the Heavenly Father is in charge. One more little story. When I was preparing my homily, I'm kind of a, uh, I prayed a lot about it, but I don't begin to write until very late. And so this was yesterday. I was praying and writing my homily, and I was just wondering, I wanted to start with that April 27th date. I didn't, I know that we don't celebrate particular uh, uh, saint on that day, but I was wondering if the Universal Church does, if there's a particular saint that might be celebrated on April 27th. 28th was a clear sign to me, but what about the 27th? When I found out it was St. Zita, my jaw almost hit I'll tell you the story, but it's where I discovered in Luca, Italy, that I am a beloved Amazon. It's where I discovered my confirmation saint, buried right over there, St. Richard, in this church that I just coincidentally happened to be at. The Lord is moving mountains in order to allow us to encounter him each day. Sometimes we don't even notice. Let there be no doubt that the Heavenly Father is in charge and that he always be praised.